Hey dudes, another ad here. I'm pretty sure it's the same as the first one, but I'm just going to read what they tell me. Uh, if you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. Okay, it's all bullet points. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. That's actually how I'm recording this right now. I do everything through my phone. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. That's absolutely true. I just don't know how to get the money that I have banked. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Mandatory call to action. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. That's anchor.fm to get started. All right, fuckos, back to your regular scheduled bullshit podcast. Do you like horror? Sci-fi? Superheroes? Comics and adventure? SunsetCrypt.com has you covered. With reviews and articles. Two associated podcasts. Hot damn! Topics on a ton of bullshit and all geekery grounds with Crypt Keepers Curtis Sturrock, Steve Brown, and Jeff Smith. SunsetCrypt.com. Only the reader knows what awaits them. His name is Curtis Sturrock. There's not much that he won't mock But he'll talk to his friends about sex and rear ends Yeah, it's wrestling with myself Some know him as Scotty O'Shea And he's really into ass play Steve Brown tags along and Mello wrote the song It's wrestling with myself Wrestling with myself Sometimes he does it by himself Discussing wrestling and movies, drugs, hookers, and boobies It's wrestling with myself Whoa-ho-ho Wrestling with myself Whoa-ho-ho Wrestling with myself On a Friday night he's got his flashlight It's wrestling with myself Whoa-ho-ho Wrestling with myself Whoa-ho-ho Wrestling with myself Discussing wrestling and movies, drugs, hookers, and boobies It's wrestling with myself Wrestling with myself, whoa, wrestling with myself. Discussing wrestling and movies, drugs, hookers, and boobies. Wrestling with Jimmy Corderas. Hacker, how are you, buddy? How are you? You're on the Wrestling With Myself podcast. Thank you so very much for doing this. Oh, my pleasure, man. It's been a long time. I miss you guys. I know, no kidding. It's been, like, I I don't think I've seen you in about three years, probably. Maybe a little shorter, but it has been a while. Yeah, I know. It it feels a lot longer. It's it's just that I I don't want to get out there and see everybody. It's just... Unfortunately, things, especially now, yeah, <laughs> things are kind of like, oh boy. Yeah, it's but, borderline uh, illegal to hang out with your friends now. Yeah, yeah, no kidding. So, okay, uh, 
Yeah, we're kind of like hunkered down here, my wife and I, and, and you know, we have uh, my mother-in-law stays with us, who's 91, oh, so wow. we don't want to be near people just in case, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, no, yeah, that's what so. I was going to ask. I was just going to make sure is everything's okay on your end, because this is uh, this is uh, the wildest times I can ever imagine. Yeah, I... No, we're good here. I mean, like, like I said, we're pretty much we're stuck. We didn't we didn't go toilet paper crazy, but we luckily my wife is very prudent. Uh, before all this happened, you know, what I mean, she sees it on sale and she says, "Okay, we'll go pick up a bunch." That's it. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. It, it was like, oh my goodness, I see this coming, so we better go. It was like, hey, this week uh, we looked through the flyers and oh look, no frills with. Uh, Whatever, Royale on sale for this much, we should grab a couple. Uh, my fiance works at uh, Costco, so we're all, always pretty stocked up with the uh, important stuff, luckily. Yeah, that's good. And, and, yeah, because I know guys like uh, um, Santino, not to me, he's a big Costco guy, and, and he, especially for his place because of the gym and stuff like that, but... Uh, I guess he can't do anything there either. So I know I, I feel so bad for so many businesses and whatnot. Like I, I don't know what the end game is going to be with this. I don't know how the world's going to look. I'm interested, but at the same time, I'm equally terrified. Yeah, I'm not totally understand. Like, like I said, we've gone through stuff like SARS and all that kind of stuff, but it was not like this. No, nothing like this. This seems. Uh, if you were to tell me even three weeks ago, we would be basically under a lockdown and things are the way they are. I wouldn't believe you. Yeah. I'll give you a quick quick analogy. My niece, um, my sister's daughter, is a doctor in the U.S. And uh, the other day, or the other day, or this week, uh, we had an urgent situation where a young 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 kid needed an emergency appendectomy. So when they obviously screened the kid and asked the parents questions. They weren't uh, forthcoming with uh, the questions of have you traveled outside the country? So they, you know, they did the surgery, Ugh. which, you know, and then afterwards, after the fact, they find out that uh, this family had traveled to Vietnam. Ugh. And they were like, you've got to be kidding me. So yeah. now, like, so now all of a sudden she's getting tested and now she can't, you know. Yeah. Look after the stuff she needs to look after, like patients and stuff like that, because now, until she gets a test back. Now, the test finally came back, and the kid, because the kid was also ha said he had a sore throat. Yeah, so that leads you to believe. Yeah, so, but, but luckily, the kid's test came back with strep throat, nothing more than that. Other than, but, you know, you know what I mean? It's like, but people aren't being forthcoming, people aren't being careful, you know. How hard is it to just say, hey, man, you know, Let's all just take it easy for a little while, and we'll get through this. That's all. Like being, it's there's never been a better time in human history to be locked inside your own house with internet, Wi-Fi, all the subscription services. And this should be a vacation, literally, for most people. Just don't go outside. Yeah. Just enjoy your time yeah. at home with your family. Yeah, I know. Just between me and you, a little, little, little breaking kayfabe here. Uh, Arda buzzed me. <laughs> yeah, what are you doing this week? I said, well, you know, I got a couple of interviews lined up, and I'm gonna, you know. Catch up on stuff like Project Blue Book and all this. You know, the stuff I like watching, yep. you know? He says, yeah. He says, what are you doing Wednesday night? I said, I don't know. Why. I'm probably going to watch AEW or whatever. I don't know. And he goes, do you want to do um, a live Twitch thing? Twitch TV thing? Yeah, oh, yeah. I said, regarding what? He says, well, we'll put on matches you left at WrestleMania, and we'll just commentate, and we'll talk 
during the matches and just whatever comes to your head and whatever you remember and stuff like that. And I'm like, well, that's not bad. Yeah, <laughs> of course. You know, just have some fun with it. That's all it's about. Yeah. That that's one thing I've always appreciated uh, about you. Uh, for some reason, I have this weird idea in my head that when people get out of wrestling, and not so much that you're out of wrestling, but you left WWE, mm-hmm. I always think people are just so sour on the business and they're just done with it. And I love how you interact with wrestling fans still. You watch basically every program that's on TV with wrestling. Because mm-hmm. I love wrestling so much, I'm so fearful of one day being one of those guys that wake up and just hate it. Because it seems to happen quite often. I, I see. I get it, but I think with with certain people under circum certain circumstances, uh, you know, something sours them, and there's an incident. Something happens, and and I I, I can't explain it. Like, uh, don't get me wrong. You, you take a guy like uh, I'm just picking a name out of the air, like a Ryback. Yep. You know, he had a situation where something soured him. Now he still talks about wrestling. Mm-hmm. So you know there's something still there. He's got a connection to it. But, you know, every chance he gets to rip on it, he does. Sure, that's fair. Yeah, that, that's a good point. But for me, for me, I, I, I critique stuff that I watch and go, why did they do that? You know, <laughs> but I don't do it to, to try and say, hey, that was the drizzling shits. To me, it was like, okay, I didn't like that. Why would they do something like that? And it's it's more like you know you guys can be better. Like uh, maybe we should just save it for the podcast. We'll just chat. <laughs> okay, here. Well, here this is the first question I want to talk about, anyways. Okay. Uh, you have you been a wrestling fan all your life? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, like you know, uh, not to date myself, yep. but being born in the early '60s, you know, as a young kid, uh, it was hockey. Always hockey first, you know what I mean? Maple Leaf fan since day one is one of the few people who are still alive. Last time the Leafs won the Stanley Cup, I've been a Leaf fan forever. But, you know, on CHCH TV from Hamilton, nice. a state was Maple Leaf wrestling. Yeah. You know, back in the days when I was a kid, and, and you know, it, it was so weird. Like, I would watch Leaf games on Saturday night with my dad. Mm-hmm we would sit and watch the Leaf game every Saturday night. And then after the Leaf game, we would tune it into, uh, I want to say, I can't remember the call letters, but Channel 13 from Kitchener. Okay. Back in the day, and they would show uh, All-Star Wrestling from Vancouver. Oh, wow. Yeah. And then, you know, like on Saturday afternoons on, on the Barry Channel 3, we would get, like, uh, the old grainy version of... of of Calgary Stampede Wrestling, and then City TV had international wrestling from Montreal, and and Global at one time had AWA wrestling. Like weekends here were nuts. That's unbelievable. I didn't know it was that much. Yeah, and and you know the Buffalo affiliate there at first it was Channel Channel Four in Buffalo would show Mid Atlantic Championship wrestling. Wow, so you like, got a taste of everything almost. Yeah, so uh, like for me, it was like this is amazing. Like uh, obviously, at that time, as a youngster, not thinking, oh, you know, one day I uh, I would be, you know, honored enough and gracious, uh, blessed enough to be in the business. But I'm going, this is so cool. I like this stuff. And not only that, you're getting to see Nick Bockwinkle and Harley Race, and and you're getting to see, you know, a young Bret Hart. Sure. You know, way back when, and and all these guys, and then all of a sudden, 
you know, years later, it's like, oh my goodness, these are all the people I got to watch on television, and I'm standing in here with them. <laughs> yeah, this it, is surreal. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Okay, here's my follow-up question to that. This one is what always interests me, because I don't really have an answer. Do, mm-hmm. you, do you remember the first moment you found out wrestling was fixed? Yeah, you know, um, again, it was like, you know, you know how the you know how the parents are, right? It's, Absolutely. My dad enjoyed it too. My dad, my dad enjoyed it too, but uh, he enjoyed it for a different reason. He thought it was great entertainment back then. Mm-hmm. You know, or I thought it was all as a kid. I thought this was all legit and on the up and up, and I didn't realize that the outcomes were predetermined, which is different from fake. Yes, I hate the word fake because fake make, makes it sound like nothing hurts, and as you know better than anybody, this stuff hurts a Very lot. Much. It's, it's, yeah, but, you know, um, so, you know, like the, the one day he says, you know, the matches aren't real. I said, what do you mean they're not real? He says, they know who's going to win ahead of time. And I'm like, no, they don't. <laughs> yeah, they do. And, I'm, and, and, you know, and as you get older, you start to, I, I don't know if you want to say pick up on little things, but sure. you, you, start, you, you start thinking, uh, unfortunately, logic starts to take over and you go, Wait, that doesn't make sense. Why would you do something like that? You know, and then they're going, Absolutely. Well, but then again, it, it's like, it, it's like watching a movie. You know, the movie is not, you know, real life and a movie could be based on a real story mm-hmm. at the same time. It's, it's not actually happening as you're watching it. You know what I mean? It's, it's, it's a recreation. And basically that's what wrestling is, um, is storytelling and recreation. And I don't know the exact moment when that like hit me like a lightning bolt, but, uh, I eventually figured it out, but I didn't care. That was very similar to me. I, I don't ever remember not being a wrestling fan. Even when I'm very young, three or four years old, I have memories of it. But I never, ever, ever remember believing it was real. I just liked it for what it was. I didn't care. No, I, I, I and to this day, I still like it for what it is. It's, it's uh, again... And over the years, it has evolved into different presentations of it. But at the same time, I, I, I can I can separate that. It's like me going to an Avengers movie, mm-hmm. Avengers Endgame. Before I saw it, I knew at the end of the movies somehow Thanos was going to get his. Absolutely, I didn't know how, and that's the exciting part. I want you to tell me a story. How do we get there? Yeah, you know, and that's how wrestling is. And I think sometimes, at least with fans nowadays, I think they get too caught up in the behind the scenes and want and want that peek behind the curtain instead of just, you know, to sit back and say, okay, entertain me. Yeah. You know, like they want to know, it's like, if, if you go to see, um, a magician who is now, Oh, that's another thing. They're not magicians anymore. They're illusionists. Is that that's true? Like saying, magician is uh, the new curse word. I don't know. But the, everybody, everybody's called an illusionist now. Yeah. Nobody's called magicians; they're called illusionists. But uh, that's almost like Vince calling it sports entertainment as opposed to wrestling. Yeah, it's the same thing. Just you know, somebody's trying to sell it in a different manner. Anyways, another another rant for another day. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know, you, you go to see you go to see a magician or illusionist do his trick. Once you find out how the trick is done. You're kind of like, oh, man. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Don't tell me how it's done. I like not knowing how it's done. The best part 
of knowing how something's done, though, is realizing, I find, how stupid you were. Because it's usually the pa the easiest, most obvious answer. With a lot of magician stuff, it's right in front of your face. It's just how they kind of smoke and mirrors it out. Yep. And that's what I love because I've seen, I've watched so many making of, uh, like, how I, I go through my yearly, I'm going to become a magician phase. So I go on YouTube and start practicing card tricks <laughs> and stuff. And I realize, like, it's all just these little subtle things, and it's so similar to pro wrestling. It's it, it, very minor moves, multiple small moves make very big illusions type deal, and I love that crossover to it. Because mm -hmm. it's really the same act, or may, maybe a different act, same show. You know, we're presenting the same thing. No, true, very true. You come it, in, it, you, you know what we're doing is fixed or fake or set up. But it's our job just to make you believe. Maybe not every magician can make you believe magic is real, but I'm going to make you believe my tricks are real. Right. It's it's that suspension of disbelief for that one hour, two hours, three hours, however long you're going to be there. Absolutely. And it's just yeah. entertainment. Like I think you nail it on the head a lot when you say people dissect too much. It's just supposed to be some mindless entertainment that you look forward to throughout the week. No, exactly. Just just sit back and try to be entertained, you yes. know. And and it's so and it's so subjective too. I know, uh, you know, uh, uh, people when when you look at other shows and everybody like points to why should fans care about ratings? Yeah, and like that. Do you know what I mean? Oh, it's absolutely. Like, one of one of the most highly rated comedies was was uh, The Big Bang Theory, and I don't know if you were a fan of that show. I, I hated it. it. What's that? I hated it. It I. To me, it didn't appeal to me. I, I guess I wasn't the target audience or whatever, but it was a highly rated show. And very, well, critically acclaimed and stuff like that. And for me, it was like, eh, not funny. Yeah. Sorry. No, I, you know? I, I agree so, does completely. Make, does that make me wrong? No. no. My opinion. So how could, um, uh, how is an opinion wrong? Now, if, it, if you come out and say, well, you know what? The setup to that joke was done very well. Okay, that's a different story. Whether yes. you found it funny or not is... Completely something else. You brought up something very, very interesting that uh, I'm, I'm almost jealous you got to before I could ask you because I only became aware of this a couple months ago. But supposedly the Series 2 ringside collection referee figure in the action figure community, for years it was always rumored that that sculpt was supposed to be you, but you never got the, I guess, title of it. Um, that's, that's what I'm hearing now, because even back then it was like, you know, I, I, I want to credit Hornswoggle, mm -hmm. my, my, boy, my boy Dylan there for, uh, for pointing it out. But, um, for years, everybody said, well, it kind of looks like you No, he looks like so-and-so and he looks like so-and-so. <laughs> so it was basically meant to be generic ref guy, Yeah, but it was just, uh, people have been pointing out it looks a lot like you when you had hair and and a little more jacked up than, than you actually were. <laughs> but, um, I, I can't say that it was actually, you know, patterned after me, but uh, rumors are that pretty much, yeah, it kind of was. That's unbelievable. You could say you could say it was me or Joey Morella. Uh, yeah. Because cause Vince used to, here's another one, um, I don't know if you remember, WrestleMania 4 was the first WrestleMania I did. Yes. Uh, I got to work. And Joey and I did the Battle Royal at the beginning. So we did this little thing where we bring the trophy into the ring and you're standing on either side of the trophy. 
And the day before, of course, we do the walkthrough and the whole bit, and we're standing with the trophy, and, and, and Vince goes, okay, and then the bookends will bring the trophy in the ring. He called us the bookends. We both, we both had the, 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 even though I'm from Canada, we both had the Jersey mullet going yeah. and all kind of stuff. And, you know, we all wore the blue shirt bow tie back then, so, um, yeah. So Vince called us the bookends. That's hilarious. Around that time, now, I know you've told me this story years ago. I I believe you might have written it in your book. I can't remember. But can you just retell what you saw or with the Dynamite Kid Jax Rougeau incident? Because Dynamite Kid is my all-time favorite. I can't get enough of anything about him, good or bad. Wow. Uh, yeah, I, I, I remember, oh my goodness, uh, Fort Wayne, Indiana. I remember where it was. Well, let's let me go back. Let me backtrack a little bit because I want to say it was there was a house show in Winnipeg, and apparently an incident had happened uh, elsewhere where um, Ishak, I guess, was making fun of a a young man who is uh, the son of one of the athletic commissioners. Okay. In America. his name is uh, was Yuji, and he was he was challenged. He was a challenge. Uh, but he used to come to all the shows, and you know, all the boys treated him great. And I think, I think Jacques made it, had a little fun with them one day, which Dynamite took exception to. And and they had a little disagreement, and and Dynamite slapped him, Jeez. like in the locker room in front of everyone. So before an all-out brawl could start, everybody kind of like, hey guys, whatever. And I think Jacques was a little. Um, Embarrassed by it? For sure. I could only imagine. You know, yeah, open-handed. So, and, and as you've probably heard many times, Dynamite was, oh my goodness, he, he didn't care. Yeah. And he was tough as nails and the whole bit. And so we're in Fort Wayne, Indiana for TV one day, and I'm heading towards catering, and uh, as I'm heading towards catering, I see... Dynamite walk out back in the day, you know, with a cigarette in his one hand and a coffee in the other. <laughs> and it was like, hey, Dynamite, he goes, hey, kid. And as he's walking by, you know, and I'm not seeing what's going on behind me, but I hear a big crack. And I turn around and there is Jacques on top of, on top of Tommy filling him in. Jeez. Like, like, I don't know whether he suckered him. I don't know if it was out of the... You know what I mean? Yeah. Ray is screaming at him in French. I don't know whether he's saying, get him or stop or... I, 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 You know, it was just like... And I'm standing in the doorway of catering, looking back at this, going, I, I'm not breaking this up. No, fuck that. So I see Pat Patterson as the first guy I see, and I said, Pat, you got to get out there. And he says, why? I said, just go, just go. And he he saw, I guess he saw the look on my face, so he ran out there. So Pat runs over and kind of gets the guys to stop. And, they, you know, and uh, he got, like, Tommy into the bathroom to try and help clean him up because he was a bloody mess. Yeah, he had a roll of quarters in his And he hands, comes out right? and he goes to Ray, get your brother, grab your stuff, get the hell out of here before the other one finds him. Uh, <laughs> a baby boy. Yeah. So they grabbed their stuff and they left. And then Davy Boy's running. Like, where is he? He's in the bathroom. He's looking at, oh, my goodness. And it was like, and it, and I think it all stemmed from that one incident where, you know, it just, it was slap. Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, I can understand it. Now, they're both wrong. He shouldn't have been making fun of somebody with challenges. 
Dynamite right. stood up for him, but I've also heard many a uh, story about Dynamite being a bit of a a piece of work yeah. to work with. So, yeah. yeah. Do you have any yeah. other Dynamite Kid stories? Um, not really. It's just that he was very um um. I don't want to see. See, bitter's the wrong word. Mm-hmm. It's not bitter. He was he was hard. He was a hard ass. Yeah. If that makes sense, he was just like. Uh, and he had a very, um, his sense of humor was different. It wasn't like, it wasn't like a fun, uh, uh, like when you, when you talk about ribbing, like you take a guy like Owen would rib, but none of his ribs were malicious. None of his ribs were, you know what I mean? Yes. Or, or and then you get a guy like Dynamite who, who kind of like, you almost felt like he got a little pleasure with, uh, needling people a little bit and yeah. maybe pushing buttons and stuff like that. Um, but you know, uh, anything specific, I can't, nothing comes to my head right now, unfortunately, but I, I just got the sense that he was, he, he, by the time he'd gotten to WWE, he, he was a hardened guy, if that makes sense. And he, like, you don't even have to see him wrestle. Just if you see a picture of his face, you can just believe that he looks like he's been, he's seen a thousand years in front of him. Like, the man always looks like he's just straight off the uh, war zone and whatnot. It's unbelievable that, and that's always kind of what interests me with him. Not only was he unbelievable in the ring, but he was just so believable, especially for his size. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and and you know everybody talks about the the, the evolution of the business, and people when they talk about that, they forget about him and and Davy Boy as a tag team. You know, basically revolutionizing tag team wrestling. Absolutely. You know, everybody looks forward, they, they look at the Hardys, and, and rightly so, and they look at today and guys like the Bucks and stuff like that, but without the Bulldogs actually changing the game, in my opinion, uh, you know, and bringing a more, a good blend of that Japanese style with, and mixing it with the North American yeah. flavor, I think that that was the big change. I, um, and regardless of what I think some guys are trying to take it too far today, but that's again another story. No, but, I agree. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I think they were way ahead of their time, and and they were the guys that really revolutionized it. Because even before them, my favorite tag team. I'm going back now. Uh, my favorite tag team way before them was uh, Steamboat and Youngblood. Oh yeah. I mean, I thought they were fantastic, but and and they did things back then that were like, anyways, ahead of their time. So. I gotta search out more Youngblood stuff. I just heard a podcast. I think it was a Steamboat podcast, uh, mm-hmm. the Conrad Thompson podcast did, and it was a Steamboat special. And he, uh, Youngblood kept coming up, and I just realized, like, I try to watch a bit of everything. I don't know if I've seen mm-hmm. any Youngblood stuff. Maybe a few clips here and there, but I hear good things quite often. I gotta go out and search it. Another guy's Wahoo McDaniel's. I haven't yeah. seen enough of his stuff. Very aware of him. I just ha- I I've never searched it out, and so many of the greats say he's one of the best to ever do it. Yeah, and and you t- see that's the other thing too. And 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 as much as wrestling is entertainment, and we have like characters, and sometimes characters that are way over the top and stuff like that, it, it boils down to guys who are believable. Yes, and Wahoo was a tough sob in real life. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm a football player. But you, when you watched him, you believed everything he did. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, that's another name. Like him, uh, Jay Youngblood, again, was a 
guy who was not, for lack of a better term, in, in the land of the Giants, was not a bigger guy, but again, was good enough to get over, um, despite that, what was perceived as a disadvantage in, at certain levels, if you know what I mean. Yeah. And yeah, they're very underrated and very overlooked when you talk about, uh, you know, guys to look back and watch their work. One of the greatest matches I ever saw was at Maple Leaf Gardens was Steamboat and Youngblood in a cage match versus Sergeant Slaughter and Don Kernoodle. Oh, wow. Don Kernoodle is another name I haven't heard in a long, long time. Yes. Uh, if, if there was, I think they did a match... Um, because, you know, we used to get the Mid-Atlantic stuff because back then you didn't have the internet where you knew this match had already happened in Charlotte. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, so it's not like, oh, we're getting the cage match? Cool. It's not like, oh, they already had the cage match in Charlotte and this was already the finish and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, uh, but I think the one they did in North Carolina is out there somewhere on the internet if you search it out. It was amazing. It was amazing. I saw Dave Meltzer. I think it was this morning. He was arguing with somebody online because to this day, basically, WWE still say Hulk Hogan was the first man to body slam Andre the Giant. And even though we all know that wasn't true, at that time when he did do it at WrestleMania, there wasn't internet. Those people that were in attendance thought they were witnessing the first ever body slam they ever saw to Andre the Giant. And they just rode with that. Why wouldn't you? Exactly, because how many of those people knew that in Japan Antonio Inoki had done it, or, or or even that Harley Race had even done it? Absolutely, yeah. It's just it takes Nobody, away the mystique. Yes, exactly. And and you got to remember that was at a time, and and WrestleMania three was at a time where they were attracting a lot of casual fans, as we call them now, who who weren't diehard wrestling fans. You don't who don't buy uh, Pro Wrestling Illustrated and the Wrestler and. Uh, all the magazines like I did back in the day, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> you, know, I, uh, you know, all the Bill Hapter stuff, which were, which was incredible. History yeah, you know, written but, by the victors, too, and of course, WWE is going to take advantage of that. They know we're the biggest company. You only know what we let you know, so we're not going to say this is actually the 18th time this year he's been body slammed. No. Right. First, but every, every, every organization or every territory he went to that was the big deal. That was the big draw. Can they get the big man up? Can they slam him? Mm-hmm. That's the off. You know, and, you know, and every promotion, I'm sure they probably promote. Harley Race, the only man ever to body slam Andre the Giant. Antonio Inoki, the only man ever to body slam Andre the Giant. <laughs> I found a YouTube video a couple months ago, and it's like a nine-minute video of just everybody around the world. Basically, everyone, it seemed like every territory he went to, like you said, it ended the last match, whatever it would be, would... Somebody was going to slam Andre, and you just see, like, uh, you're only slamming Andre if he lets you, and you can tell the people he made do the work, and then the other guys he's posted on the knee for and getting up really high. It's funny. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, it's, it, it is incredible. Oh, yeah. Uh, Andre did what Andre wanted to do. Really- and, and and if he liked you, he'll make you look like a million bucks. And if, he, if you're the ultimate warrior, <laughs> you'd have issues. Did you have a relationship no. with Andre at all? Oh yeah, Andre was so he was super cool for me. I mean, uh, um, you know, like Timmy White was was basically the guy who traveled with him mm-hmm. for most of the time. But he, but he, he was super nice. I remember uh, one time. I remember the first time. I, uh, one of the first times I Jack Tunney, I was down at the uh, 
at uh, Maple Leaf Gardens early on a Sunday show, and he says, uh, I need you to do me a favor. I said, what's that? He says, uh, go up to the Marriott by the airport and pick up Andre. Oh, shit. So he hands me the keys to his Fleetwood Cadillac. I said, well, I said, just go pick up Andre. I said, okay, cool. Yeah, that's awesome. Have you met uh, him at this point? Him. What's that? You've met Andre at this point, right? Yeah, I had met him a couple of times. Okay. I, I started roughing the whole bit. Um, so I head up to the Marriott by the airport. And, you know, I call up to the room. There's no answer. And I'm like, oh, geez. <laughs> so I called Timmy, and I said, Timmy, uh, where's Boss? Because uh, everybody called him Boss, right? He said, uh, did you check the bar? <laughs> I said, no, nope. stupid me. What was I thinking? You know what I mean? <laughs> so, so I go down to the bar, and he's uh, chatting with a um, nice young lady. And I said, and Timmy had told me, he says, I'll be down in a few minutes. You know, uh, um, I'll meet you there. I said, okay. So, you know, so he said, hey. Jimmy, come sit down, have a drink. I said, well, I really shouldn't because I'm driving. No, it's okay, have a drink. <laughs> oh, boy. So I'm like, all right, I'll have one. One turned into like four. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I said, I'm thinking to myself, how am I supposed to drive now? <laughs> and, and, and Timmy's like, uh, you want me to drive? I said, I'd love you to, but if we pulled up to the gardens and you're driving the car... <laughs> I will never work again. Yeah, <laughs> you know. What I mean? So you know, I, we're on the highway, and I'm doing 80 kilometers an hour. I'm driving like, like, uh, like, I'm, I'm driving like, a, like a retired old person going for groceries. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> Be careful. And um, you know, we get to the gardens, and Timmy just said, "You know what? Just go hide for a little while, right?" So, so I tried, but I had to give Jack his keys back. Okay. So I'm just walking by. I said, hey, Jack, here's your keys. He says, oh, okay, thank you. He says, come here for a second. <laughs> yeah, so I'm trying to say, uh, hey, I was social distancing before it was popular. <laughs> Ahead of the curve. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to keep away from Jack. He says, he, says, he looks at me and goes, uh, have you been drinking? I said, why do you ask? He says, well, you know. You look like you may have had a couple. Was uh, He says, was Andre in the bar when you got there? I said, uh, yeah. <laughs> Did he make you sit down? I said, yeah. He says, okay, I'll tell you what. He says, go into my office, have a few coffees, don't let anybody else, like the agents or anybody else see you mm -hmm. for a little while, okay? Just, just stay there for about a half hour or whatever until you feel like more like yourself. He was really cool about it. I guess he understood that, you know, Andre was the kind of guy, like, you don't say no to. Yeah, you're probably not the first one to get caught up in that trap. Yeah, yeah which I probably discovered later on. But anyway, <laughs> he, but he was so cool about it. That, that's, that's what got me. And then he, then he, and then he uh, you know, he just said, hey, listen, you know, if it ever happens again, I said, Timmy offered to drive. I just didn't know. He says, Next, if it ever happens again, let him drive. I went, oh, okay, cool. Perfect. <laughs> yeah. Another thing I just recently, as I was kind of researching everything, is it true that you gave Kurt Hennig the name the Perfect Plex? Yep. That's true. That's unbelievable. Yeah, that that is absolutely true. Um, again, happened at Maple Leaf Garden wow. because he was he was doing that fisherman suplex or whatever you call it, and holding it in cradle suplex, and. Uh, you know, he was coming up, they were calling him Mr. Perfect, right? Mm -hmm. Everything was absolutely perfect. And when he came through, uh, well, I'm watching the match at the curtain, 
the house show match. Yeah. And Jack Lyons is standing behind me. And, uh, and he's watching too. And he's talking. I don't remember who the other agent was that day. But he's talking to him. He says, oh, "He says, what a great finish. That's a great. We got to come up with a name for that. Because, if, you know, at that time, every, every finish had a cool sounding name. Yeah, marketed it towards that wrestler. Yeah. So, so he, it, he said, it's got, but, it, you know, he's Mr. Perfect. So the name of the, the, the finish has to, has to sound perfect. So I just turned around. I said, hey, Jack, how does perfect plex sound? He looked at me. He goes, "God damn it, kid!" <laughs> uh, he says, oh, "Okay." So Kurt comes back from the ring. He says, "Kurt, I think we got a name for you." He goes, uh, "Goes, yeah." He goes, "Perfect flex." And then he pointed to me. <laughs> he said, "You came up with that?" I said, "I just blurted it out. It just came out." He said, "That's, that's what it's going to be." That's an unbelievable name, too. It's so perfect, as punny as it is. It's just unbelievable. Yeah, and, and the more I think back to it, it's like, how did, how did we not think of this? Yeah, yeah, really. You know, but at the same time, it just, it's just, it's, it's hard sometimes when you're consciously going, hey, we got to think of something, we got to think of something, we got to think of something. And then sometimes, just sometimes something just pops in and just, it ends up being right. It's, it's like I was watching the, the Ruthless Aggression series recently. Oh, yeah. And Hunter, and they were talking about uh, the group Evolution, mm-hmm. and how he was talking to Arn Anderson and saying we got to come up with a name for this group and stuff like that. And Arn said, "You guys are like that uh, the chart, uh, the evolutionary chart of man, <laughs> um, you know, from Cole Magnon and working his way through. Like here's the, the past, the present, the future, blah blah blah. So why don't you just call yourselves Evolution? Yeah, it's Evolution. right there. Yeah, it's like right there. And I was like, yeah, that works." Yeah, sometimes uh, the simplest of answers is the best one. Like, if it was named anything else now, it would just sound dumb if you heard... If he was calling it some kind of cradleplex or something, and then somebody now came up, why wasn't it called the perfect plex? Everybody would be slapping their head, being like, of course, of course that's the name it should have been. Right, right. It just, it just pops... Uh, and not like I was like... Uh, not to sound like, uh, oh, wow, what a genius I am. It was like, it, it just popped in. Yeah, you know, a genius just, moment, for it, sure. It, 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 yeah. Now, Kurt Hennig, that's another, like, infamous rip, ribber. You were on the road with, like, some of the most mythical ribbers of all time. Did you ever get caught up in it? Uh, I was pretty much immune to, to getting ribbed very often because, uh, you know, it was, it was, they knew that the best reactions from ribs are when the guys who get uh, pissed off the most from it. Yeah. Get that reaction from them. Those are the guys they they like to rib the most. Uh, you know, I would get the occasional one from Owen that, that was harmless. You know, like you know, calling calling me in my hotel room and telling me that my credit card had been declined and I had to come to the front desk. And I go, but it's two thirty in the morning. Can we do this like in the morning? You know, we have to take care of this right now, sir. And go, and I go down to the front desk and like. Uh, yes, sir. Can we help you? Yeah, I just got a. Uh, nobody called you, sir. You know, simple, harmless, sir. Yeah. like that. Where you, you just laugh it off and you go, ah, damn it, you got me. I love that yeah. stuff. Yeah, see, that kind of stuff is cool, and, and you know, um, so because I didn't put it over, so to speak, too much. Yeah. When I got, they got okay. We can't, we can't, we can't piss him off. 
No, exactly. You're looking, if you're not giving them a good reaction, it's not worth the time. So they're going to go to someone that's going to fly off the handle. Oh, exactly. Yeah. Now, I just watched, uh, just about an hour ago, I watched WrestleMania 24, Edge versus Taker, with you as the referee in the main event of WrestleMania. Yeah. And first time I watched that match fully, I think maybe since the original airing, but you did a spot in that match, which, another thing, it's it was so simple, I've never seen it done before, and I can't wait to use it if opportunity ever strikes. You take the big, the big boot from Undertaker. Yes. And you're lying down. You, you take the bump, and I notice immediately, that's strange, Jimmy took the bump, but he didn't roll to the outside, so he must be getting ready to make the false finish later on or something, because I realized, why wouldn't you have just rolled to the outside? So I'm, I'm anticipating something happening. Match right. goes on, match goes on, Edge finally hits a desperation spear, he rolls over to you, you're still selling dead, and as soon as he reaches for you, as soon, it's like the second his hand touches you, that was just enough give, and you roll out of the ring. And it was phenomenal. Well, thank you. That was that was Edge's spot. I loved he came, that. He came up with that. That was good. I, like, because, uh, you know, um, go, you know, uh, obviously going over this stuff, you know, we want you to take a bump. I, you know, yeah, yeah, I, and I was just like, whatever you guys want to do. Mm-hmm. You, you tell me what you want, I will try to be in the right spot and just, uh, you know, because... Uh, not to go off on another tangent, but see, a lot of times, especially when I'm watching some referees today, it, it's not about you guys. Yeah, it's about the guys telling the story in the ring. You're the you're the supporting actor that's there to help them tell their story the best way they can, and you are to be invisible until you need to be visible. Yes, that's that's it. It's not about you. It's cool to be in there with them. I mean, like you're in there with Edge and Undertaker in the main event of WrestleMania coolest feeling ever in the world but at the same time my job is to help them sell their story yeah so that's it simple plain as best we can to tell the best story possible yeah and really Mm -hmm. the best referees this is just what i've always thought of the best referees are the ones you don't even notice that are there until you have to yeah and if i can make a a, a ufc analogy for example you take a guy look at big john mccarthy Mm -hmm. Like, big dude, like, you think to yourself, this guy can probably kick half the fighter's ass in the ring, in the talking, you know? Yeah. But his movements are subtle. He's not not a distraction. He doesn't take away from the fight going in, and you don't see him until he has to get in there and separate guys or or whatever need be. Yeah. Yeah. And that's technically what, in a simple explanation way, that's, Kind of like what a wrestling referee should be. Yes, there are times where you have to be a little more animated to tell us. Uh, if you go to stuff like uh, the stuff we used to do with Eddie, the lie, cheat, and steal stuff. Oh yeah, <laughs> where where it is a little more animated, but that's that's a different presentation. Yes. If, if that makes sense. Yeah. Again, yeah. But but the, the, going back to the the WrestleMania match, yeah, uh, like it it was like when we were talking about it. He's, um. I said, obviously, we all, they agree, they said, and I agree completely that after a boot from The Undertaker, I'm not getting up. Yeah. Yeah, and I saw uh, later on, it was even, it wasn't focused on, you could just witness it in the back. I think two producers came over, they helped you out, and it was just like, get him out of there. It wasn't, it wasn't made to be a big deal, but if you saw it, it was just a nice added touch that you weren't just laying on the floor for the rest of the match. It was like, oh, this guy needs help. Yeah. 
And 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 the 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 funny part that a lot of people don't know is uh, once they decided that that was going to be how to take me out of the match, the challenge was now we got to get a ref to run that seventy five yards. I was gonna bring it up. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead, ask it. No, no, it's just like because that you know what gifs are. Obviously, you're on Twitter enough. Yeah. But that yeah. has been an infamous GIF since before I can even remember GIFs being a thing. And it was Charles Robinson doing that 100-yard dash looking like his legs are about to fall off. And um, I only realized it this morning when it was in that match. and for, It was from the bump you took. Yeah, because when we were talking, you know, we were obviously, you know, uh, the, the three of us were sitting talking with the agent for the match and... Uh, and it was like, okay, so we take Jimmy out, and we need a ref to run down. Who do we get? And everybody looked around the room, and it was almost like after about five or six seconds of awkward silence, everybody said at the same time, Charles. <laughs> nobody else that can make that run. And you know he is trucking it. Yeah, it was like, who else could make that run? 75 Charles is the only guy that's in halfway decent shape to do it. Yeah. <laughs> you know? run every day. The entire time, it just looks like he's running too fast, and he's gonna turn, and he's gonna come down head first. But he makes it all the way in the ring for an unbelievable false finish as well. Yeah, I know. Then later on, years later, Titus O'Neil tried to recreate it <laughs> under the ring. <laughs> well, how is it like? So I paused it because I wanted to check because Undertaker comes out first, which is strange, but I do appreciate it because the champion comes out on last. It's just, I'm mm-hmm. so used to Undertaker having the big elaborate entrance, so it's typically last. But you're in the ring for it. How was that yeah. alone? Uh, scary and, uh, and and amazing at the same time. Like, because, you know, as you, prob- as you probably know, Undertaker, one of the most respected guys ever in the locker room. Sure, yeah. Like, you know, he, he, was, he was not only a locker room leader, he was the judge, and um, he, he was the man that people went to when they had an issue and to, for advice, for anything. And, and uh, I, you know, I, I'm an undertaker guy. Oh, what can you say? and to, to stand there in the ring at WrestleMania to watch that entrance and just like, you know, it, it's like, it's weird as much as you, 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 you what, what tops this? I don't know. Yeah. You know, and then, to, and also to, to, to be followed up by, uh, you know, Edge, who was a good friend and 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 you know was 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 kind enough to write the forward for my book and stuff like that, just all around good guy and really really good in the ring. I, it was just uh, it was perfect. It it and I don't know if I was studying that match more or whatnot. I don't know if it's just my taste. My taste is definitely getting. Uh, changing as I get older. I'm liking different styles that I didn't appreciate so much. I've always appreciated Undertaker. He's always been a legend. But I think now I can really, really appreciate the time he takes with everything. How subtle he is with with some things. Like, when Edge made his long entrance, Undertaker literally stood in one spot, did not move, and he was looking possibly the best he ever has at that WrestleMania. Mm-hmm. At that moment, it's just like, I believe this guy. Yeah, he's a walking zombie, whatever. He he can shoot lightning from his hands. But, like, watching it's just like, I am 100% convinced he's the guy he is portraying. There's no sports entertainment here right now. Like, he is projecting something so real 
that I, me as someone who's in the know, it's just like, no, this guy is ready to kill Edge for that title. And I have no, no choice but to believe it. No, I, I 100% agree. And, and, uh, and, and I get, and again, not to go on another tangent about no, feel uh, some of the current product today, um, I think that's one of the things that's being lost on some of the talent today is um, there's this feeling that, oh, that stuff is old school. That stuff won't work today. That's passe, blah, blah, blah. We've evolved past that. But simple, simple things like taking your time yeah. to tell your story. Let things register with your audience. Let, you know, Taker was a master. He knew how to do that. He knew how to, he knew how to sell for a big guy. Oh, he never stopped selling. It, that's another mm -hmm. thing I noticed. Anytime he moving, he's moving, even on the offense, he's always selling. Yes. It, it, but... And that's another, uh, I'm sorry to say, a little bit of a lost start today is is the lack of selling. Everybody's doing these big moves, and, and, and I get you want to pop up from it, but, uh, man, it, it, I don't know. It's just, there's a way to evolve this business and, and, and do it differently, but everybody's trying to go from, as Shiki would say, from the A to the Z without the letters in between. No, that's a great way of putting it, too. You know, there's 26 letters in the alphabet. There's not just seven. Yeah. No, that's you know, very true. You know, a good story has ebbs and flows and get your audience invested. Uh, another, I like using analogies a lot. I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> it's like going to a fireworks display, right? Mm -hmm. You have all these fireworks and they go, and you see a little bit of these, something looks good and everybody goes, ooh. And then there's a little bit more. Then everybody, ooh. And then there's something a little more. Ooh. But then at the end, you get the grand finale, mm -hmm. which is to get your biggest reaction, right? Yeah. Now, it seems like we want them at level 10 through the whole match. And then once you get to your finish, it's kind of like, yeah, but we saw so much before that. So? Yeah. No, you're, you know? you're not wrong at all. And I, I can say, like, I'm guilty of it. I get caught up in it. And the amount... Uh, it happens a lot when I work Tyson Dukes, and he'll... <laughs> He's just such a master, and he'll always bring me back to reality. He'll take me out of my comfort zone and try different things. And it was just a, yep. couple, a couple months ago, we had a... It was me, Tyson Dukes, and Carter Mason. We were in a three-way dance, and none of our creative juices were really flowing that day. And we were up, like, next, and we didn't have any beginning. We had maybe a couple spots at the very end, but we were supposed to go, like, 15 minutes or something. And me and Mason were stressing out a little bit, and Tyson just goes, why don't we just go out there and fight? It's for a title. Let's just go out there and fight and do what you think your character would do to win that title, right? We don't have to do a lot of moves, just punch and kicks. Let's keep it ugly and let's go do it. And I agreed with it. I said, all right, let's do it. I wasn't confident with it. And we went out there and we just acted and performed as wrestlers trying to win a match. We didn't put a lot together. And it was the most like therapeutic thing I'd ever done because people were more engaged in that. It came off more real. We were all selling around. We were put, we were uh, we were really making our strikes and whatnot count. And we it was just it was working smart, working hard, but kind of also keeping it simple. Right. Yeah. And and and, and you brought up a name there, Tyson. Who I have a lot of I have a lot of love for Tyson. You yeah. know that because when you talk about uh, guys, you don't get enough credit. Um, 
on a larger scale for not their knowledge and their ability and, and like I, I know guys like you look up to him just that simple fact hey guys take it easy yep through us you know what I mean just keep it simple he's able to calm people down you know it's he's I've always I've always thought the world of Tyson yeah. you know so um, yeah I think I think when you talk about lost start I think that's a little bit of the lost start now is is guys are like hey what can you do yeah. I can do this 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 and this okay we'll get it all in uh, you know I, I don't use the language like that, but get your ish in you know yeah. what I mean no absolutely I, I, I get it if you can if you can do 150 things, don't give him all 150 things at once. Mm-hmm. Yeah, give him 10. No, yeah, that's it exactly, too. You know, I just, I, I, I don't, I, I just don't get that mentality today, but, um, you know, I'm, again, I'm of the old school, less is more. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, I guess today people say, no, more is more. Yeah, if you're, if you're actually measuring, like, like weight, more, yeah. more, but the, you know, we're talking about entertainment value. Make them leave them wanting more. Yeah, leave them wanting to come back. And I know? think there's a common misconception, and I've even had this before. I always thought less is more. For years, I thought saying less is more was a way for lazy people to say they're working harder. You know what I mean? I was just like, no, you're just being lazy. That that's your way out saying less is more. And as I've gotten older, I've realized no, it doesn't mean you don't work any less hard. You can work harder, actually. Actually, You're just, you're learning how to squeeze that lemon and getting more of the juice out. Nice, yes. There was exactly. a terrible analogy right there. No, I love it. It's, you know, just working harder doesn't mean, like you said, doing more moves. Yeah. And, and getting a lot of stuff in. Working harder, you can be working super hard to sell. Mm-hmm. You know, it, people think it's easy to just, oh, I'll just lay there and sell. No, it's not that simple. Yeah. <laughs> you know, there's a lot more to it to that. It just, I, I just, I, again, I love, I love the fact that the business constantly evolves from the analogy I use a lot is that from the beginning of time, the invention of the wheel, it started off as, as a stone. And then eventually evolved into wood. Then it became rubber. Then it became vulcanized rubber. And then we had all these kind of run flat tires and stuff like that. But at the end of the day, the tires round. Yes. You know, it's, you can you can you can create it out of different materials, but at the same time, it, you know, basically the tire is, or the wheel is round, and and you always you should rely on those fundamentals, those basics, and. You can you can tweak them a little bit, mm-hmm. but don't forget them. If that makes sense. No, absolutely. That's a, that's another fantastic way of putting it. Uh, winding down here, I won't keep you much longer. But we are in WrestleMania season. We are officially it's Sunday, the 29th, I believe. In one week's time, will be night two of WrestleMania 36. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I'm just curious. You worked on a, a ton of WrestleManias. What was typically your WrestleMania routine like? Was it just business as usual? Was there more on deck, more meetings, whatnot? Like, more pressure, obviously? Well, it, I, as the years went on, obviously, it evolved into into, into a bigger deal. Yeah. I mean, 
you know, like well, the first WrestleMania that I did in New Jersey, WrestleMania Four. It was kind of like you fly in a couple of days early. The day before, you do like the the run through, and you, you talk to the guys, and that was pretty much it. Next day, you come in, you do the show. Uh, obviously, there's more emphasis on it because it is WrestleMania. But uh, then it evolved into okay, uh, we're going to uh, okay WrestleMania 24, for example. Yeah, we do SmackDown on Tuesday night leading up to it. Um, okay, Wednesday we're heading to Orlando. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and now we're getting everything set up, we're getting everything staged, you're getting ready for access, you're getting ready for the Hall of Fame, and, and especially now, and now they have, you know, well, not this year, but, you know, your NXT TakeOver is there as well, and, and, and there's so much going on, and there's meet and greets, and there's, uh, you know, it, it, it's amazing how they take over a city now. Yeah, it really is. <laughs> And and this year, obviously, due to circumstances beyond anybody's control, it's going to be different. And yes, you can make the argument that maybe they should have postponed it. Maybe they should have put it off because WrestleMania is the type of event that works that maybe needs eighty thousand, seventy thousand people in the in the in the stadium for it to be the big deal it is. But we live in an unfortunate situation right now. But. I'm looking. I'm trying to look at it from a glass half full standpoint, and this presentation of WrestleMania this year could be a completely unique and different opportunity for them yeah. to, to do something really unique and special at a time when, uh, for lack of a better term, people are stuck. Yeah, and that's the thing. I think uh, I'm very happy they went through with it, just because like there's literally nothing else on or to do. So having something like this to look forward to, and now. It, I'm so happy they've actually done it two nights because it even spreads it out even more. And good or bad, this is going to be, without a doubt, one of the most memorable WrestleManias because of the situation they're in. Absolutely. And and the one advantage, though, is because of the situation is they are now given an opportunity to be a little creative in their presentation. Mm-hmm. You know, like, obviously, the Boneyard match now, like, we're... Like uh, on aftermath, we were like always like, oh, boneyard match. What the heck is? Well, maybe a boneyard match could take place in an actual cemetery or an absolutely, actual, yeah. Because <laughs> you know that's a slang term for a cemetery is a boneyard. Yep. It, um, so there you have an opportunity to be creative there. Uh, the fi- Firefly Funhouse match with Cena and, and and the Fiend could be very very um, entertaining, uh, depending on how they they present that one. Uh, as you know, the challenge is. Um, not having an audience present mm-hmm. to feed off of because, you know, what you do in the ring, uh, you feed off the reaction you get from your audience. If you're getting a, a reaction from the audience, you know you're doing something right. And then if you've got an audience there that's sitting on their hands, you're going, okay, we got to get these people off their hands. What are we going to do? Yes. So you can adapt on the fly. Yeah. So that element is taken away now. Now it's just like, okay, we're going to put on a match here. We're going to do our best. And unfortunately, we don't have that audience to feed off of, so we're going to have to feed off of each other. Yeah, I think it's like, luckily, we've had 35 WrestleManias so far. So I'm very interested. Like, it's not like this is the third one ever, and now we're getting this this show in front of no fans. We've had 35 amazing shows, and now this one, uh, just how the cards lay, they have to do something different. And I think it, like, I'm more excited. I think I'm more excited for this mania than I have been for multiple in years past because of that. 
Yeah, I, I don't know if I'm more excited or just more curious. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's, I'm, I'm really anxious to see how they, how they pull it off. And, and uh, you know, again, trying to take the negativity out of it. Uh, um, you know, obviously the rumors are out there. People know that uh, Roman Reigns has pulled out and stuff like that. And, you know, good on him and good for, for everybody involved for, you know, for, for looking after the talent ahead of, you know. Yes. Yeah, because you know people say well how are they looking after if they're letting them perform and stuff I, I can't believe that they would not do their due diligence and their best to to keep the safety of of all those involved mm-hmm. at, at the forefront I, you know what I mean everybody say well they're putting money ahead of the people's safety I, I don't know I'm I'm uh, I don't. I don't want to say that they're not, and I, I, I want to believe that they're doing their best to keep everybody safe as as, as best they can. Anyway, I think so too. I think if Roman Reigns felt un uh, felt unsafe in doing it, and he was able to pull out, I'm sure anybody else had that same choice if they didn't want to. Everyone's doing this, as far as I know and believe, on their own term. They it's all agreed upon. Nobody's being forced to do this. I hope at least and. Uh, I just think it's coming at a great time. Everybody's stuck in their house doing absolutely nothing. And WWE, the thing we love more than anything in the world, is giving us two of the best shows they can possibly produce right now. No, I agree. And, and they're still figuring it out. I mean, like, I remember since the first uh, Empty Arena Raw, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, watching that and stuff, and, and seeing it evolve into what it is now, from, for little things like changing the camera, the hard camera angle. To, to, from uh, shooting the empty seats to uh, putting it so that the stage is in the background and, and having fans going online and saying, well, you see that, they stole that from the other guys and stuff like that. Well, you know what? Maybe they did, but if they did, they did it because it worked. That's it. They're not idiots. No. You know what I mean? They, said, they probably saw it and said, hey, you know what? That can work for us as well. But we'll dress it up a little differently. So, you know what I mean? And... And if you want to go that far, ROH has been doing it long before everybody else has. So That's a great point, all. too. If you, want to give, if you want to give somebody credit, how about you give them some credit? <laughs> yeah, That's very true. All right, Jimmy, thank you so much. This has been fantastic. I, I really can't thank you enough. This is unbelievable. I really appreciate your time. Oh, no, man, my pleasure. It's great catching up, man. I, uh, outside of my family, if there's anything I love... It's wrestling, and uh, um, I can't. I love talking about it, as you can tell from my uh, <laughs> from my social media account. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't think people realize that I'm there to have fun with it. That's it. That's what I'm trying to do. I'm it's trying to have fun, whether whether heel, and I'm doing the air coach. You can't see them right now. Whether heel Jimmy comes out on Twitter or whatever, I'm just having some fun, man. That's what this is supposed to be. It's supposed to be fun. I, I, I'm a big proponent about that. I say that all the time. We're just play fighting in our underwear. Let's not take it more serious than it needs to be. But let's be real. You dropped some great gems on your ref and rants. Oh, I appreciate that. Again, it started off as something to just have a little fun with and, and you know, to put something out there and to, to get you get a little bit of a discussion going mm-hmm. and um, unfortunately some take my critiques as attacks and it's not meant to attack. It's not meant to tear down. Yeah. It's meant to, 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 to point out certain things that I think could be better because 
the misconception is that okay, I am I am a WWE guy. I came from that world. Sure, but it doesn't mean that I don't like other brands and I don't want other brands to succeed. That would be stupid of me to think like that. Absolutely, yeah. You know, I want the entire industry to be. You know, to, to be healthy and prosperous because I have friends at AEW, I have friends at, at Impact, I have friends, I you know, all over Ontario here, you know, that I want to see do well and, and prosper doing what they love doing. Mm-hmm. So why would I want to see any of them, like, fail? That's it. That makes zero sense. Now, just because I critique them doesn't mean I want them to fail. I just want them. That's me expressing myself saying, hey, guys, you can be better than that. I'll give you an example. I, I, wanted, to do, I wanted to do a rant for the um, the last uh, AEW show that they did, where the, the final segment with uh, Matt Hardy with and Jericho, yeah, um, I get what they were going for with that. Yep, I get the, the broken Matt character and stuff like that. Um, but I'm friends and I like both guys a lot, so I didn't want to go too, you know, too hard. I I just think. Uh, for one, if that had been done in the competition's mm-hmm. company, they would have been crucified. Absolutely, and I think you're 100% correct. I think the problem I'm, I'm having, uh, don't get me wrong, I like I like a lot of what AEW does. Mm-hmm. I, they've got some really good potential talent there. I just think sometimes their approach is not helping them. That's all. Sure. The, the way that... That's all. That's all it is. I want them to succeed. I want them to do well. And it's not about an us versus them thing. It's almost it's almost like this toxic environment on, on, on social media with wrestling fans where they've turned it into politics where as someone, again, not to turn this into politics, I'm very politically agnostic. Yep. I, I, don't, I don't give a crap what color your lawn sign is. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't care if you're the great pumpkin down south of the border or... <laughs> Or the Backstreet Boy that's running our country up here. It doesn't matter to me. I, I just want you to 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 say stuff that resonates with me. I don't care if your lawn sign is blue, red, orange, or or green. I don't care. I really don't. Unfortunately, people think think that they have to choose sides. That's stronger and than ever in wrestling right now, too. It's unbelievable. You can't. It, it, you can be a fan of just everything. Wrestling alone is its own thing. Just enjoy it. It's a small bubble, right? And not to not to not to plug these other guys, but uh, there is a certain XM radio show that's on daily. Oh yeah, I'm aware. <laughs> plug them. Yeah, I love those guys because again, they're not they're so positive, even in their critiquing. Mm-hmm. They do it in a positive way. It's it's more uplifting, you know, like and. That's what I, I I would love to see more from from wrestling fans more more positivity instead of saying oh these guys suck and those guys suck and there's a no maybe I didn't like that but you know what hopefully next Sunday uh, you know they'll do something I like or whatever and there's just nothing little... wrong with just stating an opinion just being like you know what I didn't like that me you're allowed to yeah. I'm just saying I wasn't for me exactly. But 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 now if you say well that wasn't for me oh that's because you're a show for these guys <laughs> hey I got a newsflash for you I haven't been paid by those guys in eleven years and if <laughs> and if I was trying to get a job back with them I have a bunch of phone numbers that I could just call I don't have to go to social media to try and to, to butter them up you know what <laughs> yeah. I come on guys <laughs> all right Jimmy thank you so much I'll let you go now this was been 
unbelievable. Oh, and one last thing. Years ago, you told me when I started my podcast, you actually, it was the same day, you approached me years ago asking to come on, and I was too nervous about following up, and that's why we ended up doing this podcast like five years later. But you reached out to me, which I never forgot and I appreciated, and you said your opening theme song should be like the Dancing With Myself song, but Wrestling With Myself. And I'm proud to say, after, like I said, five years, uh, it won't play on this, you won't get to hear it, but on the actual uploaded podcast, I finally got a, uh intro song made in the sound of Dancing With Myself. Okay, I'm. you know what, I'm going to be listening now for sure, I've got to hear this. <laughs> it's good, it's good. Love it. <laughs> Jimmy, thank you so much. Uh, you can... is. Is it Sportsnet 360 your show's on currently? Uh, yeah, we're on a bit of a, um, a hold right now because of the current situation. Sure. But what, what we're doing now is we're trying to do some uh, live streaming on the Sportsnet YouTube channel on Fridays. Okay. Uh, you know, and, and see if we can at least get a little bit of aftermath out there to to the aftermathites, aftermathies. Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to figure. See. I need someone to come up with a cool name for our fans. Yeah, you need that Hulkamania mm-hmm. maniac thing. Yeah. yeah, well, let me tell you something, brother. You know. <laughs> uh, but, uh, yeah, so we're trying that. You know, I'm doing my roughing rants daily on, on, on my uh, YouTube and Instagram accounts and stuff like that. And just trying to, trying to again, stay positive in these, in these uncertain times. And everybody, I hope, you know, everybody out there follows the protocols. And we'll get through this. That's it. And we'll get through this together. Not, again, us versus them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, that's great. Thank you so much. His Twitter is at Jimmy Corderas. Jimmy, truly, thank you so much. I appreciate this more than you know. I hope you stay uh, safe, stay indoors, and enjoy WrestleMania. Uh, you too, my friend. It was uh, it was great catching up with you, and, and I appreciate it very much. I appreciate you reaching out. Likewise. Thank you again. My pleasure, buddy. Ciao. Ciao. All right, guys, there's the Jimmy Corderas interview that I've been teasing for, I swear to God, like four years. I think I ended every podcast for like months saying, and I think Jimmy Corderas is going to come on and I, I'm just, I've talked about it many times how I'm just uh, reluctant to reach out because I feel so bad asking people to donate their time and I know everybody and their fucking brother has a podcast now. So I know people get asked all the time, and I know, I, I, it's no secret, I don't get a ton of listeners on this thing, so you're really talking to uh, a small group of people, but uh, Jimmy's always been great. Uh, there was so much more I wanted to get in with him, but uh, I didn't want to keep him too long, and uh, I wanted to keep it short and sweet for him, so if he enjoyed it, he'd want to come back on. So who knows if he's ever going to come back on, I'd l- absolutely love to have him. Uh, he refed a bunch of my matches at Smash Wrestling when he was refing there. And I should have brought this up to him in person, but if he's listening, I hope he hears this. Uh, I learned a lot from Jimmy about just... I've talked about this. I've had a few instances in my professional wrestling life where people have just... uh, It's gone farther than pro wrestling. They just showed... They showed me how you can uh, really elevate and help people and how to treat them. Uh, Jimmy had main evented, had refereed the main event of WrestleMania 24, and then he was uh, refereeing a smash shows with guys like me wrestling, and he just treated me like 
he would anybody else. Like he treated me, he showed me the same amount of respect he showed Edge and Undertaker. And if he didn't, he showed me so much. I, I would have, I'm comparing it that much right now because he was just so nice, so giving. Remember one time we had to do a referee bump and I went up to Jimmy and I said, Hey Jimmy, we have to do something with you here. We're not sure. And, uh, he gave me this idea and it was just a beautiful idea. I can't remember what it was, but it fit perfect, except one of the beats didn't quite work because something that we had to get in, something with a keyboard or something he couldn't see. So we just had this nice little brainstorming idea and we got to where we had to go and it was phenomenal. And he just treated me so well. And I took that further than just pro wrestling. I just realized like, hey, uh, this guy could have a giant ego and he should have a giant ego for what all he's accomplished. And he's talking to a little schmuck like me with so much patience and respect and uh, kindness. It just, uh, it was a learning moment in life and wrestling. So I really, really appreciate Jimmy's time. I hope you guys appreciate the interview. Uh, that guy, like you said, he started at WrestleMania 4 and I realized WWE was always top notch for wrestling production. But he started at a time when, in many ways, the entire live event production was a ring, some blue mats around the ring, and guardrails, and some spotlights on the ring. And he went from that to, you know, Monday Night Raw starting, and then being on live TV every week, to them running high school gyms when times were getting tough in the early to mid-90s, to the Attitude Era to uh, the Ruthless Aggression era, straight to basically the HD era, which we're still in to this day, because um, another thing I've talked about many times, since they went HD, it seems like it's very hard to kind of pinpoint changes up until, I think they went to HD in 2009, and since then, the product has in many ways looked very similar. So he's been around for such a long time. It, it's just amazing. He's a well of knowledge and a... Just the kindest guy ever. Really appreciate Jimmy. Um, yeah, I think that's it, guys. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, Jimmy, thank you for your time and for giving us the Dancing With Myself idea for the intro. Hope you like it. And uh, I think that's it. All right, guys. Second podcast of the week. Enjoy WrestleMania. I don't know if we'll have another one until then. Maybe we'll do uh, one shortly after. Who knows, though? Stay safe. Stay healthy, A-Town down, uh, and let me let you let me go. All right, ciao.